0: We're Missio Phoenix, a community of God's people, learning to live in God's ways for the sake of our city. We talk a lot about if you've been with Missio for any length of time, you've probably heard us, and maybe even at some point gotten sick of hearing us talk about uh, how the Bible is one grand story, one full narrative, not a bunch of little stories with nice little morals or fables inside to learn a lesson from, or not just a roadmap for how do you live your life in these days, but it's telling a story. And it's not, when I say story, a lot of times we get in our head like a fairy tale, you know, or, or we think of like a kid's book or something. But what we mean is it's the true story of the entire world, and of the God who created the entire world. It's the true story of how it began at creation and how it is moving toward full restoration one day. So that's what we believe this story is and that we are a small part of that story. And so we're gonna spend 40 weeks just kind of going through and really unfolding the, uh, the smaller narratives within that story. And so I wanna start today actually by I got a little present for the kids here. Uh, Will or Anthony or maybe both of you guys, could you pass these out? We got some Play-Doh for the kids. If you hand it out to the kids and then there's extra, then uh, adults, if you want some Play-Doh too, or if you want to just grab a chunk off of your kids sitting next to you, that's fine. Even if it's not your kid, just grab a chunk if there's a kid next to you. So here's what I want you to do with the Play-Doh. One, make sure it doesn't get on the carpet and then you stomp on it, like, let's not do that. But what I would love for you to do is we're starting in the beginning of the story this morning, at the very beginning of creation, I want you to start molding with your Play-Doh something that you hear from the story, okay? Something at the beginning of creation that you hear. You're gonna make that with your Play-Doh, and I would love to see it when you're done. Adults too. Steve, I wanna see what you come up with, all right? You always sit in the front, it's just easy to... Pick on you. I apologize. All right, so we're, we're starting at creation now. If you have ever heard the gospel told in the church before, chances are you've heard it something like this: You and I were sinners. We've messed up. We've blown it. We we rebelled against God, but Jesus has come to rescue us to save us. And if you say this prayer, you accept Jesus into your heart, then you can be saved. And one day, you will be able to go to heaven, right? Have you heard something like that before if you've been around the church for a long time? So what, what just happened right there? Where did I start in this story? If you you know our symbols, you can use our symbols. Remember this first down arrow, creation, God comes down, creates all things. This X right here, rebellion, we rebel against God and his ways, but God gives us something to look forward to, a promise that one day, redemption, salvation, rescue would come through a rescuer. And then one day at the last symbol, he's coming back down again. Jesus is returning to make all things new and we live in this kind of in-between space here, that other forward arrow that says, hey, we've been changed by this God and we're looking forward to him coming again. So where did I start though in that gospel presentation story? Which symbol? Yeah, right on the X, right? That second symbol. So what did I do? I, I cut off the beginning of the story, right? Now what I said was true. Everything I said about it was true. But imagine coming into a movie. Who, who's ever like gotten to a movie theater? Remember when movie theaters were open? Who has ever gotten to a movie theater late, and you walk in, you miss the previews? Mary Kay's like, no, why would you do that? (laughs) You miss the previews. You miss like the first five minutes of the movie, and you walk in, you're like, what's going on? What's the point? I I just want to walk out right now. We'll try this again another time, right? Because you don't know what's going on. You don't know who these people are. You don't know where they are. You don't know why they're doing what they're doing. Like try watching The Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers. That's the second movie that came out without watching the first one. Who are these weird people just running away from who knows what, right? They're all separate at that moment and they're all like just running in a field and like, what's going on? And so if we don't start at the beginning, we have a deep misunderstanding of what's happening throughout the rest of these stories we're going to do some great things this year as we're going through these stories. We're going to dive into some some detailed, smaller stories within the grand narrative that we will often miss sometimes just by talking about the big picture, and we'll learn a lot by diving into those little things. But today, what we're trying to do is just on page one and two of the Bible, we're covering one whole symbol. Each symbol represents an act of the story, and we believe that this part is so important that even just on two pages, that it makes up the whole first out of six acts of how we tell the story, because it's setting the foundation, it's laying the groundwork. So like I said, a lot of times we start with the story somewhere else, uh, but usually what happens in the church is when people talk about this part of the story, the very beginning, it's usually only ever done for debate, right? So was it a real, like, 24-hour period, seven days that this took place? Uh, What what does it mean when it says that God created this? What did that look like? Was was it really days or was it, like, centuries? Like, what was it? And people argue and debate. Were there dinosaurs? When did they come in? What did that look like, right? And I, I want us to see that what we're given in the first couple pages of the Bible it's not meant for us to debate over facts. It's not meant for us to try to figure out exactly how God did what he did, but it's sharing with us why, who this God is and why he's creating and interacting with his world. Because at that time that Genesis was written, the first book of the Bible, God's people were scattered. They were were sent into Egypt as slaves. There was no Genesis written yet. There was no Exodus written yet because they were living Exodus, right? Moses came and he brought them out of slavery and he goes up to this mountain and he comes down and goes, hey, let me tell you about the God who just brought us out of slavery and he's given us a new way to live. And then Let me tell you who this God is. And so he starts writing down the first five books of the Bible inspired by God himself. Why? Because they lived for 400 years under the oppression of another nation, another kingdom, who believed all these other gods. And they had a much different story for how the world got there and how you and I got here. Usually the stories were something like this there were these gods up in the skies. And one God was battling against another God. And one of them was victorious and overcame. And the other God died. And out of that God's dead carcass, the earth came to be. It's a crazy story, right? So if you ever think, man, Christians believe some weird stuff, like everybody believes some weird stuff. And so that would be a a picture of that. But that God who was victorious over the other ones is the one who created a certain people. So the Egyptians had their gods and they came from those gods and other people came from some other God who was not victorious. And so they were a lesser people, which was why they were able to enslave them and oppress them and use them for their own gain. That's what that narrative was telling. And this was true for most ancient Near Eastern people. So the Babylonians believed something very similar. That's that's the story that would typically happen is there were multiple gods in the skies and out of the carcass of a dead God who lost, that's where this earth came from. But, but then the victorious God created these people, right? And so Moses, by, by God's strength, by his word, by his power, leads these people out of slavery and says, let me tell you the story of the true God, the only God who's a living God, not a dead one, who spoke all things into existence and has created all people. And yes, he's called us out of slavery and he set us apart, but for the sake of blessing the other nations. This is a God who made all people and cares for all people. So it's a much different narrative that's being painted. And this is why we spend so much time going back to the very first couple of pages of this book. Make sense? So we're gonna read from Genesis chapter one. And we're gonna go into the very first part of Genesis chapter two because these chapters don't break up evenly with where the narrative breaks up actually. So seven days ends at Genesis two, verse three. If you don't have a Bible, there's some at the tables around you. There's some at the back two tables as well, or you can just download it on your phone real quick. So pray with me and then I'm gonna read from Genesis. Father, we ask that, as we dive into your word this morning, God, that you would speak to us, that the real living God who spoke all things into existence would speak to us this morning, that we would hear you and your word, your address to us, that we would be changed and transformed by it, that as you spoke life long ago, you would be speaking new life into us this morning. God, that we would look more and more like the people that you desire us to be. And we ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Genesis 1, starting in verse 1. And I'm gonna take some breaks along the way, okay? I'm not gonna read all the first chapter straight through. So let's just start with the very first verse. In the beginning, who's the story about? God, the very first character introduced to us, tells you who the story is about. In the beginning, God... Created the heavens and the earth. Stop right there for a second. When did this happen? When? In the beginning. In the beginning of what? Of everything? How did God get there? He's always there. Yeah. So... There's been so much debate over how old is the earth, when did this start? And here's the thing the original Hebrew for this phrase, in the beginning, isn't giving you a time frame. It's literally like saying in our language, back in the day. You know, way back when. When? Way back when. When? Back in the day. Like, what are you talking about? It's not the point to try to tell us, like, this was 2,000 years ago or this was however many millions of years ago. It's just saying, listen. A long time ago, not in a galaxy far, far away, but a long time ago, here, God. He was here, and he created the heavens and the earth. The heavens and the earth. What is that? So if, if what you're picturing in your head right now is, all right, close your eyes. Long time ago, way back when, back in the day, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, I don't have time to ask you what just came in your head, but raise your hand if what came in your head was the globe, like the sphere of the earth. Anybody? A couple people? And what if for heavens, raise your hand if what came into your head was like uh, angels flying around? Okay, raise your hand of what came into your head was like stars and, and space and universe. Okay, cool. So it's, it's good to know where we're all at. So all this means in the original Hebrew is what's up there and what's down here. God created the skies and the land. Remember, we're foreigners coming into this book. It wasn't written in English, It wasn't written in America. It wasn't written in the 1900s. This was written in ancient Near Eastern times, a whole different language. And that that word earth that we translate it to now, how we think of like a globe, a sphere, this planet, like that wasn't what that word was. The word literally was the dirt, the land. So way back when the God created what's up there and what's down here everything that an ancient Near Eastern person could see at that time, right? Let's move forward. Verse two, now the, you're like, oh man, this is gonna take a long time. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness covered the surface of the watery depths and the spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Yeah, I know, it's only one more verse. I'm gonna stop again. Don't worry, we'll move faster after this, okay? The earth was formless and empty. What do you picture now? I picture like this, just kind of like, blob of nothingness sitting there, right? Like maybe it's dark, it's black. Yeah, like your lump of Plato in your hands, right? But again, I'm picturing a sphere again. Look, I gotta get that on my head because now, what an ancient Near Eastern would have known. They didn't even know that the earth was round yet, right? <laughs> so what does this mean? The original Hebrew there for that word for, it was formless and empty, is this phrase, tohu vavohu. It's fun to say, try it. Tohu Vavohu, yeah. Y'all just wanna keep saying it now, don't you? It's really fun. Tohu Vavohu. What that means is, what a better translation would be is wild and waste. Uh, because it's this like rhyming kind of poetic language that he's using there. So it's wild and waste. And what he's trying to set up is, it, this was not a place for life. It's not a place for life to exist. Like this was no home for us. In the beginning, God created what's up there and what's down here. But listen, like before he spoke, this this would have been no good home for any of us. The ancient Near Eastern people thought that water, the ocean was a scary, chaotic, dangerous place. There's no way you you could live there, right? And so they would often use the watery depths to talk about this chaos and a place where death would happen. But who's hovering over the surface of those chaotic waters? Yeah, the spirit, the spirit of God, the spirit of God hovering over the surface of the waters. Verse three, then God said, let there be light. And there was light. Are you picturing the sun? Hold on, the sun doesn't come till like day four, I think it is, all right? God said, let there be light. And there was light. God saw that the light was good and God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day and the darkness he called night. There was an evening and there was a morning, one day. Now I'm gonna pause for a second again. yeah. So what we're gonna find are six days of creating something and then something magical happens on day seven, which we'll get to, but it's broken up into order. The first three days, what God is doing is he is creating order and a space. He's he's making space for something to happen. Remember, it was wild and waste. It was tohu vavohu. It was not a place for us. No place to call home, right? You couldn't survive there. So what God's doing in days one, two, and three is he is creating space for order in life. So what he's just done is he's made order out of time, out of seasons. Here's day, here's night. Here's the completion of a cycle, right? And in day four, it's gonna match what's happened. So days four, five, and six, the next three, what he's gonna do is he's gonna start placing things into that space that he's just set up, placing things into that order. So you'll see day four will match day one. Day five will match day two. Day six will match day three. And each of those, those last of the threes, day three and day six, have a little bonus project that he does, which is really cool. So day two. Let's see what happens. This is in verse six. Then God said, let there be an expanse between the waters, separating water from water. So God made the expanse and separated the water under the expanse from the water above the expanse. And it was so. God called the expanse sky. Evening came and then morning, the second day. This is literally, uh, the, the Hebrew word there is he made a dome. Right? So... If we were to draw this out, this is what this looks like. There's chaotic waters. Yeah, those are waves. Uh, Chaotic waters. And he creates this space here in between, a dome of protection. So there's all kinds of chaos and stuff happening out here. Uh, You don't want to live there. There's this dome of protection here. A safe space. All right, that's day two. We continue on. In verse nine, then God said, let the water under the sky be gathered into one place and let the dry land appear. And it was so. God called the dry land earth and the gathering of the water he called seas. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, let the earth produce vegetation, seed bearing plants and fruit trees on the earth bearing fruit with seed in it according to their kinds. And it was so. The earth produced vegetation, seed-bearing plants according to their kinds and trees bearing fruit with seed in it according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. Evening came and then morning, the third day. So there's a water above, there's a water below. There's this dome of protection. In that dome of protection with the water below, what he does is he parts it. Does that remind you of another part of the story which we'll get to later this year? He, he parts this water Right, He he pulls it up into separate spaces. Here's seas and oceans, and then here's some dry land here where what can happen? Away from the chaotic waters, what's that space able to do? Life can exist, right? And that's the bonus project of day three. Then what he does, he, he just created some space and order, and then in that space of safety, of order, of life, He allows plants to start growing. Now, which types of plants are mentioned? There's all kinds of trees and all kinds of plants and all kinds of grass and all kinds of... When When did he make those? When did the cactus come, right? That's not the point. The point is not to give us, here's a detailed explanation of how everything came to be. The point is setting up a story. And do you think that seed-bearing, fruit-producing trees are gonna play a part in the story pretty soon. If you've heard the story before, you probably know they are, right? It's setting the story up. Any good storyteller, just, they tell you what you need to know about this character and the space they're in first because they know what's about to happen. You need that context. So there's days one, two, and three. He creates order of time out of day and night on day one. He creates this dome of protection between the waters and this expanse on day two. Then he creates land which can grow vegetation on day three. Day four starts in verse 14. Then God said, let there be lights in the expanse of the sky to separate the day from the night. So he's filling that order he made in day one. They will serve as signs for seasons and for days and years. They will be lights in the expanse of the sky to provide light on the earth. And it was so. God made the two great lights, the greater light to rule over the day and the lesser light to rule over the night, as well as the stars. God placed them in the expanse of the sky to provide light on the earth, to rule the day and the night, and to separate light from darkness. And God saw that it was what? Good. Evening came, and then morning the fourth day. So now, it's now we're getting these things that we picture as light. How did God create light and dark and separate them before? I don't know, but now he's filling that space. He's filling the order and the space that he made for things to live and thrive. So we get the sun, the moon, and the stars. Verse 20, then God said, let the water, remember on day two, when he separated the waters? And God said, let the water swarm with living creatures and let birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the sky. So God created the large sea creatures and every living creature that moves and swarms in the water according to their kinds. He also created every winged creature according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. God blessed them, be fruitful, multiply, and fill the waters of the seas and let the birds multiply on the earth. Evening came and then morning the fifth day. So he's filling that space from day two. Verse 24, then God said, let the earth produce living creatures according to their kinds, livestock, creatures that crawl, and the wildlife of the earth according to their kinds. And it was so. So God made the wildlife of the earth according to their kinds, the livestock according to their kinds, and all the creatures that crawl on the ground according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. Here's bonus project of day six. Verse 26 Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. They will rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, the livestock, the whole earth, and the creatures that crawl on the earth. So God created man in his own image. He created him in the image of God. He created the male and female. God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth. That's what he was telling the creatures before, remember? And subdue it. Rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, and every creature that crawls on the earth. God also said, look, I have given you every seed-bearing plant on the surface of the entire earth and every tree whose fruit contains seed. This will be food for you, for all the wildlife of the earth, for every bird of the sky, and for every creature that crawls on the earth, everything having the breath of life in it. I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. God saw all that he had made And it was very good indeed. Evening came and then morning, the sixth day. Now, before we continue that part of the narrative in chapter two, let's just pause after six days of work. Six days have been completed. Six periods of God doing something, right? The first three, him creating order, creating space for life to exist. And then the second three, filling each one of those. And the bonus project on day six, right? Day three, bonus project. Like he not only creates land, he allows life to grow up from that land. So day six, when he starts filling the land with more life, with creatures, that not just like plants, they actually have the breath of life we're told in it. The breath of life, which we'll get to in a second. So he's creating animals that crawl on the ground. He's creating birds that fly in the sky. He's creating Fish and creatures that swim in the sea. And then bonus project. Here's another creature with the breath of life in it that is given the same command to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth just like the other creatures, but with a bonus command to rule over every single thing he had just created. I mean, if you heard all the repetition that I I was reading in that, he creates all these things. And then all those same things were listed again when he says to these humans and rule over, rule over everything that I just filled this space with. Now, I don't know about you guys, but when, when I shared like the gospel message earlier and started with like, you're a sinner, we left out a big part of what we were created to be, right? You were created to rule to have dominion over, to care for, to protect, to look after, to help cultivate and draw out the potential of everything that you see. That's what humans were made for. This is all God stuff. In the beginning, who's the story about? God created what's up there, what's down here, everything that you see. Imagine being one of the Israelites just brought out of slavery in a miraculous way. And you go, man, there's some kind of God up there that cares about us, right? And then you get this story of who this God is. And he says, now, listen, I know you were slaves and your fathers and mothers were slaves. And before them, they were slaves. But let me tell you who you are. Let me tell you what you were created to be. Way back when, back in the day, there's a God who spoke and everything up there and everything down here was made. And then he started filling it with life. And his crowning jewel of creation was humanity. And he put us there, not just to be subject to him. Yes, we are. But he called us into partnership with him to care for everything that he just made, everything he loves and called good. Seven times he says, this is good. In the ancient Hebrew culture, seven was this number for completion, for wholeness. And on that last time, God says, this is very good. After he puts humans there to rule over it all on his behalf, his representatives to care for his very good creation. That's a lot of trust, right? I don't know about you guys, but when I leave and I I ask my kids to do something, (laughs) It takes a lot for me to trust that it'll actually be done by the time I get home. They usually do a pretty good job. Um, But how good have we done? We'll get to that next week, right? There's more in that story to come. But God gives the breath of life to his creatures and he calls one of them out to be distinct from them. Anytime we will continue to hear in this story moving forward of someone being set apart called out, chosen, (laughs) elected, if you want to use those words, right? Because they're in there. Anytime he calls one and sets them apart, it is always for the same way he set apart humans in the very beginning. I want you to represent me to the rest of my creation. I want you to care for it. I want you to love it so that they too will know who their creator is. That's our calling. That's our purpose. That's who we are so he gives his breath of life. And I want to talk about what does that mean? What, we, didn't, we didn't hear that before, right? In the, in the actual original language, we would have heard this before. Verse two, who was hovering over the waters? The spirit of God hovering over the waters, right? That word is ruach. You got to like get some phlegm in there when you say ruach. And ruach, we have three English words for what this word is. We have the wind, we have spirit, which is what the word we have here, and we have breath. So I want you to put your hand in front of your mouth, well, slip it under your mask if you were, and then say, say. hello. 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 What, did, did, what did you feel there? You felt with your breath, right? Look at your hand, do you see your breath? No, you can't see it, but it's there. It's real, it exists, right? The breath of God was there hovering over the waters. Now, how did you get your breath out of your mouth? What did I ask you to do to do it? To speak, right? God spoke, and his breath was there, and everything came to be. You have, in this moment, at the very beginning of all things, God, his spoken word, And his breath of life. And we're gonna see that all throughout the story too. And that's what brings life to all things, and that's what fills humanity to be his representatives. The very breath of God, his spirit dwelling within us. We're gonna find out next week just how he made these humans, but spoiler alert, it was from mud. Your mud. It's raining out this morning. Go out, look at this sand pit over here and look at the wet sand and go like, what can I make with this, right? <laughs> but, but what can you make? What are you making right now with your Play-Doh kids? What does he do? He, he, he allows clay to form. So he, he's this masterful artist. He, he creates dirt and then he allows rain to fall on it. <laughs> and what does he do? Now he's got Clay and you're a lump of clay. That's the other part of the beginning of the story we need to know about ourselves, right? You are a lump of clay, but in the hands of a good creator who fills you with his own breath of life and makes you whole. So from the very first page of the Bible, what we know is that we do not have life on our own. We cannot rule over our own selves because we have nothing if it weren't for the breath of God within us. But at the same time, what we hold together with that is that that God who gave us his breath also then calls us into partnership with him and graciously allows us to represent him to the rest of creation. Now, how good of a job have you been doing at ruling over your own life this last week? Some of you pretty good. Patting yourselves on the back over there. How good have you done at making decisions for yourself, for your families, for your friends? Have you always affected and impacted the people around you in a good, beautiful, positive way? Now we were called to rule and care for and reign over all of the earth. And the reality is, if you're anything like me, We are terrible at doing that for our own selves. Terrible at it. Something between these six days and now has drastically changed. But I want to give us a picture of the hope that we have. And so just to continue in Genesis 2, verses one through three. So the heavens and the earth and everything in them were completed. On the seventh day, God had completed his work that he had done and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. Why in the world would God need to rest, right? That picture that we get there is that he settles in. We, we created this patio space for us at home so that we can eat our meals outside, so that I can do some work outside. We can actually like see our neighbors now, right? And so we created this space and it was work. It was work. We, we did it in sections. So a while back, I laid pavers, uh, and then we, we painted our little picnic table out there. We strung some lights. We brought in some chairs and a fire pit. And after we did that work, we settled into it. We settled into it so we could be present in it and so that we could be present with our neighborhood. And what does God do here? He settles into his creation to be present with his people, present with his creatures, present with the land that he gave order to. So this is what God does. And on verse three, God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy for on it he rested from all his work of creation. What did it not say that it said about the other six days? If you look at the very end of those sections for each six days and it was morning and it was evening, the end of day one, day two, day three, day four, day five, day six. We don't hear an end to day seven here, do we? This is the goal of creation. It's not meant to end. That God would actually settle in and be present, be with Emmanuel, God with us, be with his creation. That he would be there filling the space with us, not only his breath within us, but his very presence there among us too. Something's happened, right? We said something has changed drastically from this story. That's one symbol out of many, out of six. But if we know the beginning of this story, then we have a hope for how it can end. Because if we know the beginning of this story, then we know God has called this good seven times. He says, this is very good. And he created space for him to settle into. Do you think that the end of the story is going to be, oh man, it's a mess. Just scratch it all. Blow it up. Plan B. This God who spoke everything into existence Do you think that when you fail to rule your own life well, let alone ruling over creation, that God goes, done with that. Get him out of here. Do you think he he does that so easily that he gives up so easily? The God who settled into his creation is still active with his creation. The God who gave us the breath of life so that you and I could actually live and function and partner with him still desires to fill you with his spirit and still desires to partner with you in his world. And so wherever you've been this week or last week or throughout the years, and however miserably you might've failed at living your own life, know that the spirit of God is hovering over the chaos. He's right there. And he's desiring to bring order to your life. And he's desiring to fill that space with his goodness. And he's desiring to fill you with his own spirit, his breath of life. To call you to be close to him, to partner with him, to care for all things with him. That's the good news of this whole story that as we see, things will change drastically, but God does not give up. And we see that fully, again, spoiler alert, happen in this fourth symbol here, in Jesus himself, God, Emmanuel, God with us, coming and pursuing us in the midst of the chaos, in the midst of the watery depths of our failures and going, let me show you how this looks to partner with God to care for all creation. Let me draw you into that. Let me give you the spirit again so that you can be that. So as we continue this year going through this story, it's my prayer that we would be transformed by it, that we would see we're a part of this story. And even though you were once a lump of clay and from dust you came, from dust you will return, if you have hope in this Jesus the breath of God's life can fill you again.